Super Talk Mississippi media production. Kickstart your adventure now with a new Gud Golf Cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Gud Golf Carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around. And best of all, they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven, 401 Highway 51 South, phone 601-748-0454. Welcome in. Glad to see all of you guys on this Wednesday morning. I know all of you are shocked. Last night, Matt Corral won the uh, the Connerly Trophy, so there's that for whatever that's worth to you. But we're not talking about that today. There's still some coaching search stuff that happened uh, last night into this morning. You had a uh, reporting about Miami, but that seems to be conflicted a little bit. Nobody seems to really know for sure what's going on over at Miami. A lot of stuff to talk about there. Mark Stoops got an extension at Kentucky. Good for Kentucky. Good for Mark Stoops. I love to see it. I love it. I love that Wake Forest is hanging on to Dave Clawson. I love that Kentucky is hanging on to Mark Stoops. I love that Dave Aranda's at Baylor. This kind of stuff is good. Mel Tucker at Michigan State being there. That's This is all good. This is very good. Shout out Mark Stoops and Kentucky. Um, Oklahoma. People that are currently employed by Oklahoma have not left to join Lincoln Riley's staff, allegedly recruiting for USC while employed by Oklahoma. There is pictures and evidence. Internet's doing their investigative thing to find that an Oklahoma staffer did a recruiting visit with Bob Stoops, and when he wasn't with Bob Stoops, was recruiting for Southern Cal. That is a big no-no, my friends. And uh, the NCAA should, this is one of the few things that the NCAA like should do and get involved in, right? Is this stuff right here? Because this is shady, it's wrong, and they deserve to get punished. But, you know, uh, we can't trust that organization to do anything that requires competence because Will Wade is still coaching at LSU. All that, plus the playoff rankings came out last night, and there's a lot of things that can happen this weekend. There's no way to know who's going to be the final four. I mean, I guess things could go to chalk and you would see maybe Oklahoma State jump in ahead of Alabama and and that's it. There's your four. But so much can happen this weekend that can change everything. So a lot to talk about this morning and glad you guys are here with me to do it. Uh, Still recovering. So if you hear random pauses, you're just going to have to deal with it. Sorry. (laughs) I'm still recovering from the worst sinus attack, if you will, that I've ever had. Um, and it's, it's still lingering because I honestly, I, I don't know why, but, uh, that's all it is. We know that for sure. So anyway, glad you guys are with me. Nonetheless, thank you for, uh, for, for joining me this morning. If you're watching on Twitter, you can't comment. So if you want to be like Zach here, you want to drive the conversation. I want you to drive the conversation. I've got plans. And also my son's learning, learning how to, how to draw here. Uh, I've got plans, but I don't, care to follow them. If you guys have more important things you want to talk about, I'm here. But you got to do that on Facebook or YouTube. So I know you know, a few hundred of you watch on Twitter, uh, depending on the day. Hop on over to YouTube so you can be a part of it. Michael Borky on YouTube. Find me there and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also like the video if you like what you hear. Or Facebook. If you're a Facebook user, I stream live on Facebook as well every, uh, every morning. So 
hop on over. Hop on over and wherever you get your podcast, this also gets uploaded in podcast form as well, wherever you get those. I am everywhere. You can't uh, you can't escape me as it turns out. But let's uh, let's get started with Zach. He said over 88 players entered the transfer portal yesterday. Huge chance for Leach to find some immediate plug and play guys for offensive line and defense. Yeah, I, I did a an interview last night, and I was asked about you know Mississippi State and how fans should be excited for next year. And I agree. I think they should. There's reason for great optimism, and there's also reason for concern. The great optimism is the fact that your quarterback who progressed greatly during the season and Will Rogers got better as the season went on uh, is back and barring unexpected transfers, which there's like people talking about certain players transferring. And until that materializes, I'm not going to, you know, give it any air, but all the skill players are back. Polk's back. Wally's back. The running backs are back. The entire receiver room, except for like one is back. Will Rogers is back. That's that's big time, and I haven't seen anybody go after Zach Arnett yet. So if he returns, you know the defense is going to be salty and well-coached. That's an optimist, but a pessimist looks at the offensive line and you lose Charles Cross, you're going to lose Lashley, lose another, and, and that's the concern because that offense, you've seen what that offense cannot do if it cannot protect. And so can Mike Leach in Mississippi State this offseason bring in immediate impact offensive linemen for next year. Because if they don't, there's a, a reason, there's a bit of a red flag, right? There's a reason to be concerned because if they can't protect, this offense doesn't work. Th- that's why they couldn't score in the egg ball. They couldn't protect Rodgers long enough. He had to get the ball out faster. They, uh, Ole Miss, even when they couldn't get to him, disrupted timing and everything like that. And, and when Will Rodgers' timing was disrupted, he wasn't that effective and had to check it down a lot and had to punt the football a, a good bit. So can they find those people in the portal? To your point, and it's a good one, there are those guys in the portal. Absolutely, there are those players in the portal. State needs to to be going after that hard, and we'll, we'll see if they can get those guys. That's why I've, I've been a big fan of the portal. I know it's got negatives. If you're overly dependent on it and you miss on guys, it you know leaves you kind of in an empty room. And also, I think it has a an adverse effect on some players. There are going to be guys that are in the portal that don't have a home. You know what I mean? Uh, there are guys that are going to transfer from like Arkansas State and will have nowhere to go. And that's a shame, and, and I hate that. A lot of players get bad advice when it comes to transferring, and some players are going to get left without a place to go. And that sucks. But it does help a program like Mississippi State. That should, they have the pieces to be a good football team next year. But they need protection. You know, yes, you still go recruit high school offensive linemen. I'm not saying you don't do that, but what's safer? Getting a guy that was at, say, Clemson for the last two years? Or a guy that was blocking against 16-year-old 17-year-old little Timmy who's going to go to Southern Miss to study business administration. You know, it's safer to bring in a guy that's been in a college program already than a high school guy. So, you know, they've got to do it. They've got to do it. Uh, But those guys are there for them, and that will help them a ton. Good morning. Good morning, Wayne. Glad to see you. Doug says, off topic. That's fine, man but don't want to forget it, was discussing this with some buddies last night. If I had the power and you could invite six players to New York for the Heisman presentation, who would they be? Okay. 
CJ Stroud, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, Kenneth Walker, the entire Georgia defense, (laughs) somebody from the Georgia defense, and uh, Aiden Hutchison from Michigan. I think that's how I would do it. I think that's how I would do it. So pick your point. Whoever you want to pick on the Georgia defense, that's fine. If you want to pick that gigantic, movable mountain that plays defensive line, I'm fine with that. But somebody from the Georgia defense, take your pick. And uh, Aiden Hutchison from Michigan is who I would pick. I think the defensive players need some love, uh, especially that one, and uh, anybody from the Georgia defense. So was that six? Uh, Stroud, Pickett, Corral, Hutchison, anybody from Georgia, Kenny Walker from Michigan State. Yeah, that that's that's what I would do if I were given the choice. Apparently, they're only inviting four, which is interesting. Uh, and no, Bryce Young would not get an invitation from me for for the Heisman ceremony uh, at all. Uh, he wouldn't uh, wouldn't do it. Michigan at number two, please. Well, who would you put there? Who belongs at number two if not Michigan? That's the thing. Who who belongs there? Who has shown? that they're the second-best team in college football, because I promise you, Michigan would beat Auburn by more than in four overtimes. And, you know, if Michigan and Alabama play, I think Alabama could win, but don't count out Michigan, man. I I wouldn't do that. Alabama's not been impressive, uh, really, for the last few weeks. Michigan beat Ohio State comfortably. I don't know, man. I don't know who else you could put there. Are the Rebels shopping the portal for a quarterback? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I was right yesterday that the Dylan Gabriel thing was premature, 24-7. Not the 24-7 local site, but the national site uh, had an error and said Dylan Gabriel had already committed to Ole Miss. That's not true. He is visiting this weekend. It seems like there's mutual interest there, but uh, that that is not official yet. Maybe it's just semantics. Maybe they do get him to commit this weekend, I don't know. But yes, they are absolutely shopping the portal for a quarterback. There are going to be good ones in the portal. Yes, they are They are shopping uh, the portal, definitely, for, uh, for a quarterback. So let's talk coaching search stuff. First of all, like I said at the beginning, Mark Stoops got a contract extension into 2028 with Kentucky. And it's just another example, something that I've been hoping would happen that we've talked about a lot on here over the last few weeks is something that I I love to see is these middle tier programs keeping their coaches and people like Mark Stoops realizing that the grass isn't always greener somewhere else. Maybe he didn't have a chance to go anywhere. Maybe that's possible. Uh, Maybe LSU didn't even call him, but I love to see people like this realizing, you know what? I've got a good job. They pay me a lot of money. They're about to pay me more. They completely renovated the stadium there at Kentucky. Uh, completely, I mean, it's it's nice, it's new, so you've got good facilities. Lexington's a cool town. You're recruiting well. You're winning games. Your fan support is good. They're paying you a lot. Do I really want to leave? Maybe I can't compete for a championship. In fact, as long as Kirby Smart's doing what he's doing at Georgia, I'll never win the SEC East, but I know I can have this job forever. Why leave? It's nice to see these middle programs doing what it takes to keep their coaches. And this is great for the long-term health of college football. Mark Stoops being at Kentucky is great for the long 
long-term health of the in college football. Mel Tucker being at Michigan State for the long-term is great for college football. James Franklin being at Penn State is good, although I don't like him, is good for the Big Ten and for college football. Dave Aranda being at Baylor is good. Lane Kiffin, if he does stay at Ole Miss, is good for, for the SEC and for college football. Uh, the parity is something that we desperately need, and having good coaches at not the best programs and not getting easily poached is good for uh, for college football for sure. So that was uh, that was good to see. I, I like Mark Stoops, and his program's a really solid one, and it's good to see him sticking around. Miles asking, do you think the Corral versus Pickett storyline makes Ole Miss and Pitt locks for the Peach Bowl? Well, Pittsburgh's got to win, right? But um, I, I know Ole Miss was just in Atlanta, and maybe that scares the Peach Bowl away. I would be surprised if the Peach Bowl passes on Ole Miss because, I mean, you can guarantee – I think this is a low number. You can guarantee they'll bring 20,000 people to that game, and I think the number would be closer to 30, even above 30. Um, and I, somebody on the radio show yesterday drew the comparison to their season opening game on not a holiday on a Thursday night. That's not – or, excuse me, on a Monday night. That, that that's not the same as right before New Year's. And Ole Miss fans didn't really travel that much to Atlanta at the time, and also there was questions about COVID restrictions and other things, but th- that wasn't – the day after wasn't a day off for people. You know, you had to take random – it was in the middle of a work week, a typical work week. The Peach Bowl will not be that way. It's not something that you have to take days off of work for and your kids are still in school and stuff like that. It's not the same. So more people would be apt to travel to this game than they did back in September. It's quite different. Um, So I I suspect that they would travel pretty well. Obviously, the Sugar Bowl, they would bring the most, but people are saying that that Ole Miss fans would travel just as well to Phoenix. And I don't know what you're talking about when you say something like that, because that's not even remotely close to being accurate. Phoenix would be a more fun trip. I've been. It's awesome. But not even close to the amount of people that would be able to to drive to, to Atlanta. It's like $800 for one person from Memphis to Phoenix and back right now not many people would be able to afford that trip. So it'd be a hell of a, I mean, that'd be a great game. I know it's not a sexy matchup for if you're an Ole Miss fan listening, thinking about Pittsburgh in the bowl game, but uh, Corral versus Pickett, yeah, sign me up. I mean, those are two guys that are going to go in the first round this year, it feels like. Most people can't decide which one's going to go ahead of the other. Give me that matchup in the Peach Bowl. I'd love to see Corral versus Kenny Pickett. Two gloves, Kenny. I would love to see that. We also got reporting yesterday from uh, Matt Zenitz of On3, really connected, really uh, really good reporter, said, uh, this is what he said, quote, the current feel is that there's a good chance Manny Diaz ends up keeping his job at Miami, sources told him at On3. That is what Matt Zenitz said yesterday. Now, in that statement, there's a lot of qualifiers. Current feel, good chance, ends up. You know, that's not definitive. That is not Manny Diaz is keeping his job at Miami. That is just, hey, it feels like right now he will. There are other people that are kind of conflicting that, saying that they're hearing the opposite, that they're, they're going to make the move uh, 
later into this week and then go after Mario Cristobal. But here's the thing. Here's what's so fascinating about this. Um, They haven't hired an athletic director yet. Reportedly, they're going to do that soon. If you're a prospective AD out there, and they make the move, and they fire Manny Diaz today. Let's say they do it today. Hey, you're hired, but your football coach is gone, so you have to conduct a search, hire your new guy, and there's less than three weeks. There's two weeks until early signing period. So you have to take the job, get here, and recruit a class in two weeks and also former staff. All right, you have to hire a guy, and he has to do all that in less than two weeks. That That's tough for a new athletic director to do, and maybe they're willing to do it, and maybe Miami's willing to just completely punt this recruiting class. That wouldn't exactly surprise me all that much, but that's still an interesting situation for an athletic director. Hey, we fired your football coach. You've got to do a search. And you've got to hire him quickly because signing day is like 14 days away. you you got to move here. you got to get your staff here. You've got to get a recruiting class signed in two weeks with your new coach that you hire soon. That, that's difficult. If I am a prospective hire there, I've got questions about that. Hold on. You're going to fire my coach for me, and then I'm going to be judged about the next hire when I had no heads up to do it? I don't know. That's uh, it's an interesting situation there. I keep using that word today. I don't like when people use that word because find something other than interesting to describe a situation, but yet here I am. Um, that is that is not a situation that I would like if I were an incoming athletic director is, hey, we just fired your coach. Go find a new one, and you've got less than two weeks until signing day. I don't know if I'd like that, but who knows? The next step is who they would go after. I mean, everybody points to two guys. It's Cristobal and Kiffin. Uh, But uh, how can anybody say right now who it's going to be? Because we don't know if Miami's going to have the money to, to really be able to go after both of those guys because historically Miami does not pay and has not paid to the level that Oregon can and Ole Miss is prepared to do. So they've really got to change their financial commitment to football. Uh, but we don't even know who the new AD is yet. So you've got people talking about candidates. Well, they're going to go after Cristobal. How do you know? Are they going to force Mario Cristobal on the new athletic director? What if he doesn't want Mario Cristobal? Are they going to force Lane Kiffin on the new athletic director? What if he doesn't like Lane Kiffin? What if he doesn't want him? So you've got two candidates out there that everybody's talking about. They will be, it'll be, Cristobal and then Kiffin. And I've kind of fallen into that trap too, but who's making the decision then? Because if we already know that those are going to be the guys, then what is an athletic director even doing? It sounds like this is very Auburn-y. That's what this feels like. Remember Auburn with their booster factions and these boosters wanted this coach, and these boosters wanted that coach, and the athletic director's like, wait, do I get to make the decision here? And it's all all these people pulling at different levers, and, and it was a just discombobulated mess. Well, if you've already got candidates out there, and you've already got people talking about these boosters want Cristobal, 
These boosters want Kiffin. These boosters don't want to spend this kind of money on football when Manny Diaz is doing fine and we don't have an athletic director yet. This thing, this whole thing feels deeply political and like a, a discombobulated mess, a shit show, if you will. Forgive my language. That's what this feels like right now. And they don't even have an AD in place. So there's conflicting reports. I mean, again, Matt Zenitz is as connected as anybody. If he reports something like that, that that's what the feeling is, then that's what the feeling is, at least based on his track record. I, I, I believe it when he reports that. But what happens if the new AD wants to move on from Diaz? Or what happens if the new AD wants to get a year to evaluate? We have no idea until these decisions get made. What will be fascinating is if they make these decisions before they hire an athletic director, if they do move on from Andy Diaz before they even bring in an AD. That, that is uh, is something that would bother me as, as the new AD. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know. Uh, I think at this point, if you're going to go after, if if they really believe that they can get Cristobal or Kiffin, that means they are willing to pay what it takes to get those guys. But you, you think that Phil Knight and Nike is going to let somebody poach their coach without a fight? I don't know. It's a, it's a mess right now, man. I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew more, but it sounds like nobody knows. Not really. Nobody knows uh, what's going on there at all. It's a mess. Depends on on who you talk to or who you read. Sounds like a lot of people have opinions. A lot of people with influence are trying to use it down there, and you just got a mess. Got a complete mess on your hands right now in Miami. So it feels like Kiffin won't be going there. It feels like that right now, but we'll see. We will see. Things change. Ryan Day leaving Ohio State for where? Notre Dame? I'd be surprised. I'd be really surprised. Uh, But if he does, then you know who's going to be the next Ohio State head coach, and that's Luke Fickle. Yeah, him leaving for Notre Dame would be a... that, That would be a bad career move on his part, unless he just so desperately... Uh, wants to coach uh, next to touchdown Jesus. Oh, the Chicago Bears. NFL teams don't need to hire college coaches. I mean, it's working out for Cliff Kingsbury. He wasn't a great college coach, though. He didn't coach at a football factory. He actually had to scheme, you know. Um, I I wouldn't hire a college coach if I were an NFL team even seeing what Kingsbury's doing right now. But I wouldn't hire Ryan Day. Ryan Day's got the best players on every field he's ever coached on. Every field Ryan Day has ever coached on, his players were better collectively than his opponents. It's not that way in the NFL. Every week, you have to be the smartest, the best schemed, and even then, it still may not be enough. I I would be weary of people like Ryan Day or Lincoln Riley or... Kirby Smart, you know, those kind of guys that that just get the best talent. Look at what Urban Meyer's doing in Jacksonville right now. It's not good, right? It's easy to coach when you have the best players. It's not that way in the NFL. So, Is there anything to read into about the Notre Dame situation other than they need to pony up more for their coaches? 
I found it interesting yesterday that uh, Jack Swarbrick, their athletic director, said uh, that Brian Kelly didn't even give them a chance to counter. And listening to that player podcast that I referenced yesterday, uh, the players were largely indifferent. They weren't sad. They, they were surprised, they said, but they weren't sad. They weren't mad. They, they got it. it. It was a a tone of indifference from Notre Dame players about Brian Kelly leaving. It, it felt like this particular situation was um, inevitable. I mean, when you're in a place for 12 years, you know, that's a long time in, in college coaching. When you're in a place for 12 years, maybe everybody just kind of wants to split. But, I mean, he was getting like $7 million. That used to be a massive salary. That's a top 10 salary in college football, you know? Uh, so I think more of this is about how this was headed towards an end one way or another, as opposed to uh, LSU just offered more money and Notre Dame couldn't. They weren't even given the chance to. They they probably would have. But this thing was headed towards divorce one way or the other, it feels like. And everybody seems kind of cool with it. Especially the players, which I found fascinating. They weren't there. They weren't mad. They they were just yeah. I get it. Like you know, we won games here. All good. Best of luck, coach. All good here. It was very in, indifferent. That's uh, that's mostly what it was. Uh, have you seen the story about Oklahoma? About current Oklahoma staff members recruiting for Southern Cal, although they haven't been hired by Southern Cal yet. That's dirty. That's really dirty, and it sounds like uh, they've gotten caught, and Oklahoma compliance has even had some funny stuff that they have said on Twitter uh, with the the eye emojis and stuff like that. They are uh, clearly closely monitoring the situation. That's shady. That's really shady if, uh, if it is, in fact, true, which it appears to be the case. Um, really pathetic, honestly. Being on staff at Oklahoma, coaching for USC while also recruiting for USC while also recruiting for Oklahoma, it's shady and it sucks. But yeah, that's uh, that's out there. All right, college football playoff rankings. Let's uh, let's share these. How about that? Let's. Uh, what is slides? Is this a new thing? Oh, cool. I can put sli- I can do a slideshow up here now. I'm not going to do that. But yeah, that's cool. I didn't know I could do that. It's a new little feature. All right, here they are. College football playoff rankings. We'll start, We'll go down to 10, just for the hell of it. Uh, Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Alabama 3, Cincinnati 4, Oklahoma State 5, Notre Dame 6, Ohio State 7, Ole Miss 8, Baylor 9, Oregon 10. My first thought when I saw that is, uh, that's about right. I think that's exactly how I would have ranked them. If I were on the committee, this feels about right. But the thing is, this doesn't really matter because one and three are about to play each other. Two has got a conference championship game. Four has got a conference championship game. Five has a conference championship game. Nine has a conference championship game upcoming. So a lot of this is going to sort itself out. But I did like where the committee has everybody right now. I I do, because I think if Alabama beats Georgia... Both of them should make the playoff. If Michigan beats uh, Iowa, they should make it. And if Cincinnati wins, I do believe that they 
deserve an opportunity to play in the playoff. Are they one of the four best teams in college football? I I don't think so. I really, I truly don't think so. I do not believe that Cincinnati is one of the four best teams in college football. I believe if Cincinnati was playing Ole Miss's schedule, for example, they would have four losses, but they didn't. And everybody told them after last year going undefeated, they went undefeated a year ago, lost to Georgia by two in the bowl game. That is Cincinnati's only loss in two years is Georgia by two in a bowl game. They were told if you win all your games and schedule power five opponents, then you will get your shot. Cincinnati's undefeated. They played two Power 5 opponents, beat Indiana, not a good team, but went on the road at Notre Dame and won that game. At some point, they have got to get their shot, and I think this is a perfect year to give them their shot. They're undefeated. They have a win at Notre Dame. They've won all of their games, but one in the last two years, and it was a close loss to the number one team in the country in a bowl game. I'm fine if Cincinnati makes the playoff. I think they deserve that opportunity, even though I'm not convinced that they're one of the four best teams in college football. At some point, your record and games have to matter. At some point, they have to matter. And in this case, Cincinnati belongs. But let's look at some scenarios. What what happens now if Georgia beats Alabama and Oklahoma State wins the Big 12? It's pretty simple, or at least it should be. Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. That's how it should be. But what happens if Michigan loses to Iowa, for example? Is it, and Georgia beats Alabama. So Michigan loses to Iowa, and Georgia beats Alabama. Is it Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame? And let's get silly for a second. What happens if Georgia beats Alabama, Michigan loses to Iowa, Cincinnati loses to Houston, and Oklahoma State loses to Baylor? Is it Georgia, uh, 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 who else? Who gets in at that point? Because everybody will have two losses except for Notre Dame and Cincinnati. So is it Georgia, Notre Dame? Do you throw Alabama back in there with two losses? And what do you do with Notre Dame now that they're without their head coach? That I saw people arguing yesterday that that shouldn't be a factor, that, that Notre Dame being without their head coach should not be a factor. I disagree. I completely disagree. It's not fair, but it should be something that you think about. So this could be a mess. Like, I'm not even having to stretch at all to create a scenario in which there are no correct answers. Again, here it is. Georgia beats Alabama. Michigan loses to Iowa. Cincinnati loses to Houston. Oklahoma State loses to Baylor. Then what do you do? What do you? Because that's entirely possible, by the way. Houston can beat Cincinnati. Iowa can beat Michigan. Baylor can beat Oklahoma State. If that's the case, what do you do? Does Notre Dame make the playoff? Does Ohio State make the playoff? Or do you keep Michigan in there? I don't know. The cursed playoff, Doug says. Georgia, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Ole Miss. <laughs> uh, that would be something, wouldn't it? That would be something. But the committee could possibly have their hands Major full 
Now, if everything goes to chalk, I think it's simple. It's Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. If everything goes to chalk, if all the favorites win, that's how it should go down. But I've also seen, and I've kind of fallen into this trap too, I've seen people count Alabama out. Oh, Georgia's going to blow them out. How do we know that? Georgia's toughest test this year, guys, their most difficult game is Tennessee. Go look at Georgia's schedule. Maybe it's Clemson. They couldn't score on Clemson. That was all the way back in September. Clemson's playing better now than they were back then as well. But the first game of the year, maybe that was Georgia's toughest test now. I don't agree with that, though. I think Georgia's most difficult opponent this year, their most difficult game was Tennessee. You're telling me that you don't think that even this version of Alabama, which isn't as sharp as previous Nick Saban coached Alabama teams, has no shot? I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if I buy that. Counting out a Nick Saban team, I think, is really, really stupid. Especially one with the athletes that they have on offense. Now, (laughs) Georgia's defense is significantly better than Auburn's, and Alabama couldn't score on Auburn. However, I do think it's... I think it's a mistake to count out Alabama in this game. Counting out a Nick Saban coach team is a really stupid thing to do. But this right now looks fine. The rankings, I think, are appropriate. This could be a complete mess, though, and I'm here for it. I'm I'm here for chaos. You've got the uh, competition committee or whatever the hell it's called meeting this week on playoff expansion. They're going to vote yes. It's going to expand, so it'll be an exercise in futility. But chaos will make sure that this happens sooner, and we could get that. This could become a mess, and it's really, really simple. You get a loss here and a loss here, and you don't know what to do. And they won't know what to do. And they will talk in in circles, and they will talk in hypocritical statements to justify how they put teams where, and nobody will be satisfied, and it will be a joke. So they better hope it goes to chalk. They better hope it goes to chalk. So anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to me, Michael Borky on YouTube. Subscribe right there and uh, like the video as well. That would help me a ton. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow. We've got Saints tomorrow. If you like suffering through fat offense on a team that's been so banged up, you don't even recognize the players on the field. We got that tomorrow night. Saints and Cowboys. That'll be a fun one. We'll talk about that Friday. But uh, in the meantime, we'll just be keeping up with everything going on. Because the carousel keeps just spinning, man. It just keeps spinning. So thank you guys. And I'll see you tomorrow morning. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.